0: Welcome to Broadway Radio's Tell Me More. I'm your host, Matt Tamanini. Here on Tell Me More, we strive to talk about projects and topics that don't often get covered on theater podcasts. On today's episode, I speak with Broadway and West End and now recording star Marisha Wallace. After ensemble and understudy roles on Broadway and Aladdin and Something Rotten, Marisha first came to my attention when she was hired mid-run to be Amber Riley's alternate and eventual replacement in the West End production of Dreamgirls. From there, her star continued to rise, including originating the role of Becky in the London production of Waitress. But for Marisha, 2020 has been a year of extreme highs, but also some extreme lows. After returning to the diner to join Sarah Bareilles and Gavin Creel for their runs in the show, she learned that like most of her castmates, she contracted the coronavirus. After three harrowing weeks, she's fortunately recovered, but her life has not been the same ever since. Over the past seven or so months, Marisha has released a self-produced single that went viral, signed a four-record deal with Universal Music Group. She can be heard in Jingle Jangle, one of the hits of the holiday season. She performed with her castmates from next year's Hairspray on a special episode of Britain's Got Talent. And believe it or not, that's not even everything that has happened to her this year. We talk about all of those things, as well as the meaning behind the eclectic mix of songs on her debut album, which will be available on December 4th and much, much more. And honestly, this is one of my favorite interviews that I've done in quite a while. Marisha is just so full of life and energy and excitement. I think it's incredibly contagious. So I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Marisha Wallace.
1: Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great. I'm sorry. I got my times confused because I'm in London. <laughs>
0: no, no worries. I had to actually do the check. I just Googled London time now to make sure I knew what time it actually was over there. So I totally understand.
1: Yeah, because I, I thought it was four. With, it's three. Yeah. And I even looked it up and I still messed it up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no worries. No worries at all. I really appreciate you doing this.
1: Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, and I was I was telling Randy before uh, you got on, like, I have kind of been following you from afar for a while. Like, I remember when you went from, uh, you know, the U.S. having done a production of Dreamgirls over to London. Like that was a that was a big deal to have like another um, American actress go over and do that. So this has kind of been fun to see all of the great stuff that's happened to you over the past. What is that? Three years now?
1: Yeah, it's been three years, and it's been, like, <laughs> a crazy journey, uh, three years. It has taken me, like, places I never thought I would go. It's been it's been four years. it actually be four years in December. Oh, is it yeah. really? Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it's gone by flies. so fast. I know. <laughs> well, <Yeah. laughs>
0: it, it's, it's incredible to kind of see everything that, that's happened in those four years. But even just the past, what, eight, nine months, I know, have been in, incredibly exciting but also scary uh, for you with everything happening uh, around the, the coronavirus and you um, getting sick as well. So just first off, I, I want to ask, how are you feeling? How is um, the whole process of being diagnosed um, with coronavirus and then kind of recu- re- recuperating from that? How, how are you feeling?
1: Well, I feel great now, um, but, it, you know, I got uh, the virus back in March. And the reason why I knew I had it was because I had just finished doing Waitress with Sarah Bareilles and Gavin Creel, mm-hmm. and they had all come over, and I had went back into the show just to do it with them, and you know everything was going crazy and shutting <laughs> down, and I had just left them like maybe four or five days before.
0: Yeah, I had
1: left. I had been on four or five days, and then I was on my first headline tour, and I started getting sick. Yeah, and I thought, oh, I'm run down or whatever. Um, but then Sarah Borellis went back to the States and was like, I have coronavirus. Yeah. And then everyone in the group chat was like, I have coronavirus. Yeah. I have coronavirus. I have coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. So it became like, you know, it was crazy, but I feel much better now. It was a hard three weeks. I'm a, like a fast healer. So for me to be sick for three weeks is like insane <laughs> to me. So yeah. I was sick for a while. And then out of that came some amazing things. So, you know, something that was meant to be bad actually turned out to be good for me in the end.
0: Yeah, well, how is uh, you, I I know you talked about Sarah and Gavin being over there. I know that they both got sick, but what was the feeling when you kind of first um, realized that, oh, this is is bad, everything's shutting down. It was right at the beginning of this. When you were kind of, like you said, you were on this tour and coming off of a, a hit West End show, what was, what were the emotions like? Cause it was obviously we know now kind of the severity of what this is, but back in March, like it was still kind of, and obviously it was a little different in Europe than it was in the States, but like that we, we really weren't sure exactly what this entailed. What, what was that like for you kind of wrestling with the fact that, Oh, this is, this is real. This is happening now to me.
1: Well, it was so scary because I kept saying, like I would tell my mom, I'm really, I remember I was so sick and I was sitting on the, on the, in the bathroom, just like calling my mom crying and being like, I am so sick. And I, and I was so scared because I didn't know what it would do to me. I didn't know if I would have to go to hospital. I remember calling my doctor and being like, I think I may have it. I have all the symptoms. And he was like, can you breathe? And I was like, yeah, but not the best. He's like, well, good luck. Cause that's it. That's all they could do. Oh, okay. So, yeah, there was really like nothing they could do unless I was like, you know, couldn't breathe to the point of passing out. So I just had to wait it out. I was alone in my apartment. My family's in North Carolina. It was very, very scary. And also at the same time, uh, my friend Amanda Klutz, her husband Nick Cadero, yeah. who is now passed, was also just admitted to the hospital. So and you know he's a waitress person as well. So all of us were kind of mm-hmm. like. Oh, my God, what is going to happen? Um, thank God we you know, survived it. But it was scary. It's, and it's still scary because we don't know if we can get it again. So that's uh, the other thing. Because also, if you're a singer, it takes your voice. It takes your voice. And if you have to be intubated, it could possibly damage your voice for the rest of your life. Right. So that's what was so scary about the whole thing. Not even just this prospect of dying, but living the complications that you would have if you live.
0: Yeah. You know. Well, thankfully, it sounds like you are fully recovered. If not fully recovered, sounds like you're you're pretty close. So we are very grateful um, for that and and everything that's kind of happened over the past whatever six seven months uh, since then has been. I mean, it seems so incredible. Um, uh, starting with Jingle Jangle, which is just one of the most <laughs> joyful, um, fun films um, and holiday films that I've seen in, in a long time. It was so much fun with all those stars and um, and you singing um, uh, the song "Miles and Miles." Like, what was that experience to to realize that you're on this soundtrack with like some major, major stars, and not just that, some some major black stars as well.
1: Well, I was for sure they were going to replace me with Patty LaBelle. <laughs> <laughs> I said. I said they are going to get Shaka Khan, Pala Bell, somebody else. Oh, that that's track. awesome. So then I got a call during the pandemic as I'm recovering from coronavirus. And my agent was like, you remember that jingle jangle thing that you did uh, during Waitress, which is like a year ago at that point? Yeah. I was like, yeah. They were like, well, they definitely want you on the soundtrack and they need you to come back and do like some last minute touch ups. And they're, you're definitely going to be on the soundtrack. And I was like, what? I'm going to be on a soundtrack with Usher? <laughs> who was like my, my teen idol like yeah, I, yeah. that was the first concert i went to and ricky martin and like a nikonani rose i was like with princess tiana yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes i love that so
1: it was just amazing because i got to create it with the um director like the director used to do he was kind of like the tyler perry of Um, the time that I knew him from because he used to do like all those all black stage plays. So he came Mm -hmm. from that, uh, that circuit. And I used to, that was like the first things I ever did was those kind of like Tyler Perry, David Talbert kind of stage plays. So it's so crazy that came all the way back around while I'm working with David Talbert, who he knows, I get what he's trying to do because like we wanted to bring that gospel church soul, unadulterated, unwatered down, unlike tampered soul funk sound to that track. And so we, I got to help create it, which was amazing. And then now everybody absolutely loves it. And I think it's just a testament to the fact that we have to be true to who we are. I think as Black artists, we're always told to tone it down, pull it back, but this time we didn't, and people loved it, as they should.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a great film. And what's exciting about it is, with it being on Netflix, um, it's going to be around forever. And it's uh-huh. one of those things that's like, it, I so see this as being just another one of those holiday traditions. That it's going to be in the rotation of films that people just watch when it gets to be about this time of year. Families across mm-hmm. the world are going to watch this, and and I'm I'm so excited for that because it's such a such a special film, and and I'm I'm so glad that it's in the world. But Mike Mike, I want to ask, like, how did that experience lead to the fact that you now have an album uh, of your own? Were those connected at all, or are those two different projects that like just kind of happened to be a little bit parallel with being on this huge major soundtrack, and then you? having a record deal uh, of your own at the same, you know, around the same times, are those connected or are those just completely different coincidental yet similar things happening, uh, you know, right here in the holiday season in 2020?
1: It is absolutely separate. It's just all the seeds that I've planted over the past three or four years are coming up all at once, (laughs) (laughs) which is insane because I was like, I knew Jingle Jingle was coming out in 2020. I had no idea it would drop weeks before I would have a record deal. I only got this record deal in the pandemic. So the record deal, yeah, the record deal came from me releasing Tomorrow Mm -hmm. from Annie. So I did this gospel version of Tomorrow from Annie. It went viral. The US Open used it, (laughs) for their highlight coverage this year. Um, It was played on Radio 2, one of the biggest radio stations in the UK it got to the top, number two on the iTunes charts. Like we were, we surpassed Lady Gaga. We were surpassing uh, <laughs> Meg The Stallion. I was like, well, how is my name in this group? Like yes. what's happening?
0: That? That's amazing. <laughs> the
1: record labels caught wind and we're like, oh my God, we want to give you a deal. And it's something that I have been working on. Uh, I have really been serious, serious about music, going into music in the past two years, past two or three years. And I have been self-releasing independent. I've invested my own money into everything. And then finally it paid off and I got this very, very, very great, like four album deal, like major deal. So it was crazy. Yeah.
0: Well, and that the video of the of tomorrow that you released for the theater fans, like both in the U.S. and in the U.K., like there's so many theater stars and, you know, former co-stars of yours that are Mm -hmm. included. Um, You know, everyone from Kat McPhee, obviously, to Leia Salonga, then a bunch of folks from um, from Waitress. And it's just such a cool video that reminds us that even in this time when we are all having to be separate and having to like just kind of hunker down and be by ourselves that everybody is going through it and everybody is still connected in some way. So I love that that was kind of the impetus for this album, which tomorrow is going to be on and it's getting released. We're we're recording now just a few days before, you know, less than a week before Thanksgiving here in the States. And it's coming out like the week after that, like that's, uh, that's amazing.
1: Absolutely. And tomorrow's already out on all the platforms. Yeah. 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 I, I gave um, the proceeds from that charity single to a Broadway cares and to Mattress UK, because the reason yeah. why I even released it was I wanted to raise money so that my performers and backstage people could pay their rent. That was like, cause at the time, cause this was in the beginning of the lockdown. I knew yeah. I was like, if performers don't have, uh, have a week off of pay, that's the difference between making your rent and not. So I got with these charities and we, and this is what we did and we raised a lot of money and, and I've also got a point on the album for both charities so that they will make money oh, that's awesome. off my album forever the for the time of the whole album. So that's, yeah, it's
0: amazing. That is so cool. Well, looking at the, the track list uh, on the album, obviously there's um, Tomorrow, there's Climb Every Mountain, there's um, Somewhere from West Side Story, but it's not just all show tunes. So where did the inspiration for a lot of these different songs uh, come from are they all? I'm assuming they all have some sort of personal meaning, but I mean, how did you kind of go through the process of picking this? Is my debut album? I got to get the right songs on here,
1: right? So, every song, so this whole album is just like a time capsule of all the things that I went through in lockdown because I recorded the whole thing in my room, like in my living room, the whole uh, all the vocals were recorded in my living room. And my producer, amazing producer Steve Anderson, who's worked with Britney Spears and Kylie Minogue and like, all these amazing pop stars. He uh, was the producer and he would just send me the track and be like, Okay, go for it. And I would, uh, I did all the vocal arrangement for the choir. I um, and the songs that we picked. So each one has a significant meaning in like the Purple Rain one that I did. We did the slowed down kind of shadé almost cover of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But that one was, I had, my ex and I, we, we got a divorce, you know, years ago, like two years ago. And he had a lot of mental health issues and he tried to commit suicide during the lockdown. And it was wow. something that rocked me. And I, and all the while, I'm like the, that was literally the tip of the iceberg for me in the lockdown. <laughs> because yeah, you sure. know, even though we were we had broken up, we he was still like my best friend, and um, it was just me. All the years that I lived with someone with mental illness, I just felt like we never talk about the people who have to live with people with mental illness, and the fact that there was no rule book or handbook on how to. Deal with that. And Purple Rain, when I was looking at the lyrics, I was like, this is all about wanting someone to be happy, but not knowing how to do that. It's like yeah. your only wish was for someone to be happy. So I recorded that one and I remember I just cried through the whole thing. And just like some of the other songs we did, Show Must Go On was our rallying cry for our theater industry folks to, and mm-hmm. even live performers all around the world, you know, that we are the most resilient people, you know, <laughs> yeah. we will make theater. In a bathroom, like we don't care. So I think it's just like a rallying cry to keep going, keep making your art and doing your thing. And then we have four original songs, which I'm so proud of, on the um, on the album. What we have before I go, which is by uh, Guy Sebastian and Jamie Hartman, wrote it for me, and um, it was it's all about uh, saying your name and like about your legacy. And that when I recorded during the time when Brianna Taylor whole that whole thing was going yeah. on and I was just like wow in in the song it says you'll know my name before I go and I was like because everyone kept saying say the name say the names and that song explores why a name is so important because it makes it not just be a you know someone who died yesterday it's a life and I think yeah. that's that's a lot of the songs on the album kind of encapsulate all the feelings like free is all about that first time you got to go out to that restaurant or to the first time (laughs) you ever got to leave your house and be like, I'm free to do whatever I want. But also about being free in your mind, even though you may be in lockdown, you're still free. You know what I'm saying? just because you're Mm -hmm. locked down doesn't mean you're locked out or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of that one. And then faith give me faith is kind of that ode to that old school nineties, like house music, Black women who were dominating the house music in the nineties that we don't even really get to hear anymore, who had those big voices. So we kind of wanted to ache him back to that as well. And also in the album, we're challenging stereotypes of what we think Black women can do. I think I've like hit every single genre in this album <laughs> because we wanted to test it. We wanted to be like, okay, you think women, Black women can only riff and run and do soul, but actually there's country on this album there's opera on this album, (laughs) there's musical theater, jazz, like gospel, pop. So it's really just like, I'm so proud of it. I think it's just going to be something that you could turn on and listen to it as a whole piece and not even just like each individual song you'll love, but it's a piece for sure.
0: I can't wait to hear it. And I mean, coming from North Carolina, that I mean, that's kind of at you know, literally on, in terms of the Eastern seaboard in the middle of the country. And it sounds like there's a lot of like musical influences that would, you know, kind of meet there in the middle anyway, is it, are a lot of these types of things, things that you grew up on the different influences, whether that's the country or the soul or the, I mean, heck even opera stuff like that. Are those different types of things that you, you know, explored as a fan growing up?
1: Absolutely. I was actually trained by an opera singer. So, in college, right. I was trained by an opera singer. So, that's in there. And then um, the song Free has a lot of that country, like uh, I, I always call it gutter butt. <laughs> <Gutter-butt> singing, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> that's what you hear miles and miles. And, um, and then also country. I grew up on country music. I like all my friends listen to country music, and I grew up on it. And I was like, why has there never been a huge Black female country music star? Yeah. that's 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 another thing. And so we were like, let's do Rainbow by Casey Musgraves and put our little stamp on it. Yeah. So, you know, we were trying um, all different genres. And I think we've successfully done that. And I remember when we were doing it, I was like, is this going to be cohesive? And Steve said, <laughs> your voice is the glue that holds it all together. And then when I heard it all back, I was like, oh, this is amazing. There's so many uh, great songs in there. You just love it. I'm yeah. so excited about it.
0: I can't wait. Well, a a minute ago, you mentioned the song The Show Must Go On and how theater people are, and artists in general, are always finding ways to create something. And even though I I know things are kind of locked down again now in the UK, you did get a chance to perform with a cast a few months ago um, on Britain's Got Talent with uh, the cast of Hairspray, which is going to be coming back in, in 2021. And I... I just say that like I love Hairspray, but something about seeing You Can't Stop the Beat performed just in general, but especially with all of the context of what was going on in the world, that video just I mean, I broke down like I was in tears no. because I mean, it was just so special. And um, that song always kind of gets to me for some reason. But um, what was it like for you to be back on a stage with the, that group of people, with other folks performing a song which i don't know how when the last time you got to do it with other people not in your living room recording an album and stuff like that
1: well that was the first big performance that was my first live performance yeah since the lockdown had started and i remember we had did a zoomer so i never even went to rehearsal for hairspray because i had coronavirus oh, oh man. so they had like three days of rehearsal where they learned you can't stop the beat and i missed that whole thing <laughs> Oh, so man. I learned my part on Zoom with Dominic, our associate uh, director and choreographer. And then I had to go perform it in front of six million people. <laughs> <laughs> and then also I was informed that there was going to be a lyric change. And I had first gotten the lyric yeah. change from, from Mark Shaman. And I saw the lyric and I was like, that's not quite right. And then we got together and we, we fixed it together. And then I had to remember it, one, two... I knew it was gonna be such a significant moment to say, seize both white and black yeah. on television during this time. And it was just like an out-of-body experience. First off to be on the BGT set, which looks like something out of Black Mirror because there's like <laughs> <It's>
0: <laughs> so Zoom. big, yeah.
1: It's so big and there's Zoom uh, cameras, uh, it's like little videos of everybody in the audience is like all over the yeah. wall. So it was so weird and out of body, but it was just such a beautiful thing to be like the first, we were like the first performance of musicals on television that, in this whole year. And um, it was just a beautiful thing because not only was it representing you know, our industry, but it was also saying we stand for representation as well, which is what Hairspray is all about. And it was just so beautiful yeah. and all the messages we got and everyone just crying. It made me cry as well because I had never I hadn't done any Motormouth stuff except to do a photo shoot. So to go wow. straight into we're performing it together <laughs> was beyond. And I'm so excited for it to come next year because imagine singing. I know where I've been after what we've been through
0: yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> on that stage. It's going to be insane.
0: That's amazing. Gosh, what a, it's I thinking about everything that you've gone through over the past nine months or whatever. I mean, it's, it really is. I, I mean, that's a a memoir in itself. I feel like if you ever sit down and like put it on paper, like I can't imagine what your past year, uh, what everything you've gone through, that's it's just an amazing story.
1: It's absolutely incredible. Like I remember when I got the email from Amazon saying Amazon, Marisha Wallace, U S open. I was like, US open and they found my song from the radio. Like, and then the Queen came and the Queen, the Royal Family called and was like, What is this song? And now I'm going to be singing on the Royal Variety show for the Queen of England. And like, (laughs) I was like, What is happening? And I've already sang for the Royal Family at Festival of Remembrance, which was another crazy thing, because someone got COVID and couldn't come. And they were doing the opening number and they called me with an hour and a half notice. I said, can you come sing for the royal family on television live? A song I never sang before, by the way, (laughs) learned it in the car, got there was with the whole hundred piece orchestra that usually plays for every royal family function. I'm like doing it with them and I've smashed it. And like, I mean, and this all has happened in this past nine months. I literally just have to hold on to my seat and be like, okay, where are we going next?
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> has it felt like it's just been like that? Has it just kind of been like, obviously, I know you put in so much work and so much planning and so much thought, but has it kind of just felt like it's this ride that you're on? And, and like you, you said earlier, like you, you laid the seeds for this. So it's not like I'm not saying I don't want to make it sound like this is just happening to you. You are obviously the main force behind it. But it has it kind of felt like it's just out of control and you're just along for the ride at times?
1: Yeah. Well, I felt like I was in control of it when I released Tomorrow and I was like, (laughs) "Okay, yeah, 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 that's going to be great. But then now all the other things that have come from it have just felt like, whoa, it's like overflow. You know what I mean? So it's like, of course, I, I feel the cup, but now it's like overflowing with, you know, goodness, because people are just catching on and being like, "Okay, where have you been this whole time? But you know, it's been it's <laughs> been, been a right journey. Here. Like, yeah, I've been right here. I started out as a you know tap dancing egg, and then here we are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and,
0: and I get that reference, and all of our listeners will get that reference uh, as as well. Um, but it, yeah, it's it, it, like I said when we started, like it's. I first heard your name when you went over to join dream girls and to continue to hear all of the great things that you've done uh, since it has been just so cool. And especially with all of this going on, I I think that theater fans around the world uh, have kind of known you were on the rise and now it's so cool to see that other people are going to see all that you're capable of. And, and I can't wait to see what's next, but I want to end with this, with this question, you've got the album, Coming out uh, on December uh, 4th. It is available for pre order now, and we'll make sure that everybody has uh, all of that um, information. We've gone through a lot of the songs in there. Tomorrow is available now. You can get that streaming everywhere. But when you kind of sit down and think of this album as a whole, was there a message to it all? I know that a lot of the songs had individual messages, like we talked about, but. As the whole of the album, as you put it all together and you're giving it to the world, was there something that you hoped that listeners took away from the experience of having listened to Tomorrow, the album, not necessarily just the song?
1: I feel like this whole album is about hope. It's the personification of hope. I come from a farm. I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I didn't, um, I'm gonna cry, I didn't have everything. But what I did have was hope. And I think this album is hope because I feel like we don't have a lot of hope right now. And this album will make you feel like you can get out of bed and that you can do what you wanna do and that no dream is too big because I feel like so many people told me to stop dreaming and told me that this was never gonna happen. So this album, I hope when you listen to it, that you just go out and get whatever you've been wanting out of life. And that's kind of what I you know, I, w- I want you to feel when, when it's over. When after you listen to it, you're like, okay, Marisha said, I can do it. So I'm gonna go get and make it happen. <laughs> so that's kind of what I want. I want for you and I, I feel like I have these moments where I'm just like I can't believe this is all happening to me but then I think about the fact that I didn't give up and that's why it's happening so this yeah. is what I want your listeners to know and when they hear this album I hope that they just go out and get what's theirs because you can have the world if you just work hard for it
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Tell Me More. My name is Matt Tamanini. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at matt. and you can reach out to Broadway Radio on both Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. We will have links to Marisha Wallace's social media information and to where you can pre-order her album tomorrow. That's the name of the album. Don't do it tomorrow. Do it right now in the show notes and on BroadwayRadio.com. Tell Me More is produced and edited by me. Special thanks, of course, to the phenomenal Marisha Wallace, Randy C. Bonds, and the man without whom none of Broadway Radio is possible, James Marino. Thanks again for listening, and remember, the sun will come out tomorrow. Also, always get a second scoop, and when you get the chance, ask people to tell you more.